Hello, I'm Brad. And I'm Jason. You are listening to Dice in My Mind. So we hit record right as we were joking about um, the last episode. I probably got a little typey. And you can maybe have heard some keyboard stuff because I don't remember what I was actually searching. But the joke is that, you know, I'll search for a book and buy it in the middle of an episode, which is, I think, what I did with Microscope. So yeah, I think that's um, what you did. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. I've, I've, I've purposefully put the microphone in front of the keyboard so that I won't purchase during an episode. Jason, Jason believes that that probably won't last. And he's probably well, right. And, and apropos to today's episode, let's be honest that sometimes making those types of purchases is slightly therapeutic for you. Oh, that was a good lead in. So um, within the past 10 days or so um, the discovery episode discovery episode, what was it? Three or four? I can't remember. Oh shoot. Oh, well, but point being is, is that, well, that was a bad, <laughs> Jason, edit that out. Um, it was the episode where um, Tilly is having challenges being on the discovery. And, and, and as an officer. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we don't need to go to the ending and spoil or anything. Right. Like that. If but, you haven't been watching though, you all should watch. I say this is a diehard Trekkie who is stuck with discovery all the way through season one. Neat. Season two weird but better season three getting good season four is downright excellent oh yeah yeah and and in the latest episode um tilly goes to talk to dr culber and says that i'm struggling here um for whatever reason obviously moving 900 and some years into the future becoming an officer everything seems to be moving fast she asks in the prior episode if she can talk with him so the what is now at the time of this recording, the current episode, mm-hmm. um, Tilly sits down and is talking to Dr. Culber. And it is it's a beautiful scene. It's therapy. Mm-hmm. And the same thing at the same time, you're seeing Dr. Culber um, conduct therapy with book mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So this was an episode that was obviously, I mean, it was, it was focused on Wilson Cruz's character. He's yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's one of my favorite characters on the show. Great um, actor, great character, finally getting his due his as due. a character. Yeah. I remember him on, was it my so-called life back in the early 90s with oh, Claire wow. Daniels and all that. She, he, I think it was him that was the friend. So on the off chance that he's happening to listen, which is unlikely, um, he can correct us. I mean, the um, chance of him, of Wilson Cruz being one of our three listeners is pretty remote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was a phenomenal episode because yeah, it, it showed vulnerability. Mm-hmm. It showed, you know, it, I, I don't know. This, I'm going to put it as a layman. It, it showed that it's okay to look for help. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some resolutions that come out of this. Mm-hmm. I think it was really a shining episode for Dr. Culber. Um, yeah. And Chase, you have a background in this. I don't think that, I think it's, it's apparent for anyone who's listened to us um, in, in any group of episodes that obviously you have, you have a background in therapy amongst other things, but you've conducted your share of it. You know, what did the story 
mean, and I'm leaving the the social media thing for you to mention. But oh well. Um, but uh, you know, how did you see that episode? I was really impressed with it, Brad. I I was really impressed. Uh, so so like you said, I mean, we've we've talked a bit, uh, at least tangentially, about you know our professional backgrounds. Uh, but but I am I am a licensed psychologist, uh, and and I I don't make my living practicing doing therapy. That that's in my past, but uh, but I've done my fair share. And uh, as a psychologist, as someone who has been interested in psychology, you know, for a really long time, uh, I I I've often watched. Trek uh, and other canons, other franchises, but I've often watched Trek, especially with an eye toward my science, toward my field. And, and in part because, uh, you know, Star Trek has always attempted to be fairly psychological, but also like, you know, you TNG and DS9, those are our things, right? Yours and mine, Brent. And, and, you know, you look at TNG and you look at the Enterprise D, right? No bloody A, B, C, or D. You, 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 look at, you look at the D and it was a different kind of ship for a different time. And they had Counselor Troy. Uh, they had this actually rather diverse gifted actor whose character was embarrassingly underwritten and underutilized, but no, no different than Dr. Crusher, right? Uh, because misogyny, let's just call it what it is. And so you had these two women who should have been the most intelligent and were the most educated characters on this starship of elite people. And we saw them doing yoga. So um, I, I, I always was looking for more from Trek, but the fact that you had a ship's counselor, uh, ignoring the fact that she wasn't Dr. Troy, even though she most certainly would have been ignoring the fact that, you know, a lot of us don't call it counseling, uh, not, not those of us in psychology per se, but, but at least it was there, but of course, or I shouldn't say, of course, but I think of course, uh, in TNG, they largely ignored the fact that Troy was a trained clinician and instead just relied on her beta Z empathic skills. There, there were exceptions to that, right? There are a few episodes where, where she, she did some adequate therapy. You had real discussions, but then of course it invariably involves some other sentience or life form. And then she give you that look of horror and then you cut away to a commercial. So there was a, there were seven seasons of missed opportunity. Okay. Uh, I mean, Troy's best line of her entire character was in first contact while intoxicated. We don't have time to talk about time. Right. Great oh, movie. Great line. That. Yeah. Um, I can't how should I know that? Time. That's my favorite Star Trek movie. First time. Cause it's the second best ever made. Yeah. Right. Um, but, but then we get to discovery and we get to the scene of psychotherapy between Dr. Culver and Tilly. I was just so impressed with it as, as not, not to toot my horn, but as a trained clinician who really never gets to see 
you know, real psychology on TV or in the movies. I mean, don't get me wrong. I can only imagine what physicists and engineers go through watching something like, like, like Star Wars. Like I know how bothered I was by the fact that in the sequels, which one was it uh, in, in, in episode eight, that these ships are all capable of hyperdrive, but the big ship can't catch up to the little ship while they're in real space. I mean, come on. But, and then all the little shuttles just zoom away. Like that's got to kill other scientists. But this is the first time I have ever, ever seen what I thought was a legitimately good representation of meaningful therapy on TV. And, you know, naturally it was in Trek. And I was so impressed with that. I, I mean, and, and everything from, uh, certainly there was stage setting because it's a television show. Uh, well, streaming. So it's like a movie every week, but, but there was staging, like you'd never actually be across a room. That would be terrible therapy. But otherwise, the lighting, the tone of voice, the topics, just it was so beautifully done that I thought, you know, uh, I'm not a very outward facing guy, but obviously here we are together doing a podcast and you've been getting me on Twitter. And um, so I'm, I'm learning to twit. And so I thought I'm just going to post my compliments. Right. Who am I? But I'm going to post my compliments because someone has to say something. So I put out a tweet uh, just congratulating, co complimenting uh, Wilson Cruz and the writers of Star Trek Discovery because it was just such a beautifully done episode, scene. It's just a beautifully done scene. All right. I, I would argue it's an episode because we yeah, saw multiple yeah. scenes, not only with, You're right. with Culber, mm -hmm. with Tilly. Mm -hmm. I think the more, yeah. the more important the deeper, more emotional scenes, and you can see it. Yes. We're between Culber and Book. Yes. But as and, actual, sorry, as actual therapy. Yeah. The scene with Tilly took it. Oh, it, it, yeah, no yeah, doubt. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm and, with you. Yeah. And even even at the end, books, books like, I don't remember the exact, I, I can't memorize that stuff mm -hmm. anymore, but something to the effect of, do you have things that you need to talk about? Do you want to talk about anything? Yeah. And Culver just, you could see he was very emotional. He said Because he's a good actor, yeah. Yeah, someday. So, but especially that scene. So we put out this tweet. Uh, it's been, like you said, 10-ish days, about a week and a half. We really wanted to record this while it was fresh in mind. Um, 9,400 views later. Um, we still have occasionally people clicking on it. And so what, what Brad and I want to do is talk a bit about that tonight, not, not, the, not the tweet, uh, although, uh, you know, Mr. Cruz, uh, we really appreciate the He, he liked it. He liked it. He gave it a one. thumbs up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we appreciate the, the we, we, you know, we appreciate spreading the word, but we really appreciate the acknowledgement um, because we just thought it was so beautifully done. The reality, though. Gonna, oh, I was sorry, just going to say that it's only Twitter. Obviously, both of us are mature middle-aged men we understand what twitter is but yeah, to get someone those three things are correct yeah on. Well, well for for you but um <laughs> but the fact that i mean he that he liked it obviously i was it was a little bitty it was a little bit like school kiddish when you saw something like that just because um my 14 year old you, thought that was incredible yeah and yeah. well i'm um, i'm not 14 so did yeah, yeah, I thought so too. I'm but emotionally about 16, but go ahead. That, oh, I, I put you easily in your early 20s, my friend. So okay, thank you. So, but but our point is not to talk about that, though we really we really appreciate that and thought that was great. What really I think um 
has moved Brad and me is how many people have clicked on it. You know, Star Trek, Star Trek has always been an attempt, always, to reflect its current time in history, real history. Sometimes it's done that better. Sometimes it hasn't done that as well. Season four of Discovery is absolutely an attempt. And they're clearly talking about issues related to the pandemic and whatnot. Um, you know, I, Brad and I, oh, go ahead. I keep jumping in, but yeah. I, no, no, go, I you no. bring up a good point. So obviously Discovery has taken this idea of psychology and therapy. It's different than what I've seen in other yes. episodes and such. Um, and that's a good thing. Yes, I can relate as have someone who has been through therapy, mm-hmm. not, you know, um, and there's nothing embarrassing or wrong Mm-mm. with me saying that, but we're talking, like you just said, and that's what I wanted to point at is there's a lot of people that looked at this tweet, right? There's a lot of people independent of that. When you, when we got out to Twitter, it was like an eye open experience for us. And so this mm-hmm. makes it sound you know, obviously, as my kids say, boomers and geriatric, but, no. but we, we saw a population of people that weren't afraid to speak their mind because and they're, because they're hurting and they want to be recognized to, because it's, it's what I see among my students. And at yes. this point is I've been using what you said, Brad, by the way, all over professionally and with friends, uh, I've been telling everybody, you know, one of my good friends, has said about December, welcome to the 22nd month of 2020. I've used that a dozen times in the past two weeks, Brad, because it's yours. And every time people stop and they're like, oh my God, that's true. And it doesn't matter if they're a professor or a student or someone else in my life. They just, they're like, that's it. People are hurting. And you and I see it in our work and in our communities. Oh yeah. And, and, you know, we used to back in the day for those that are younger, we used to talk about before 9-11, post 9-11. Right. I don't think that whole, and, and that was awful. But my point is, is that I think we are going to be using pre-pandemic and post-pandemic for a long, long time because yes. it affected so many more people. Literally and, everybody. Yeah. And look mm-hmm. at how analog gaming became so popular. D&D exploded, analog gaming exploded. Right. You can see that in social media. Yep. But the, the, you know, the question I have for you, and and this is not a softball one, this is curiosity. I'm not leading questions that I have the answers to. I'm kind of interviewing Jason away. You know, what have you seen in terms of studies about how people have psychologically and emotionally reacted to what's been going on? Why do you think, is it just a matter that there's platforms now where they can show and, and express their hurt? Or is it a function of the pandemic or, mm. you know, what are your, what are your thoughts? I'm just curious. <clears throat> I, it's a great question. Um, I'm not sure. I, I have a mixed answer. Uh, there are pieces of it. Uh, have I seen research on the emotional psychological effects of the pandemic? Yes. As you can imagine that research in the past, um, I'd say nine to 12 months, Six to twenty, six to nine months has exploded. I mean, I just, I just finished a, study, a really small study. I just finished a really small study, a uh, little statewide study with a couple of colleagues and half a dozen of my of my students, um, uh, looking at college faculty and their experiences of the pandemic, right? And that's just, I've seen lots of snapshots like that, and I, my read on all of this is, um, no surprise. 
has what we call high face validity. People are stressed. And, and then life moving over to Zoom and other platforms like that, uh, there's some really neat, not so much research as really good thinking about what are the benefits and especially the negatives about this type of interfacing. But, but, but more to your question of what about RPGs, because that's really what we're here to talk about today. Uh, of of RPGs as therapy, if you will. Bingo. Yeah, that's um, and, what and, I was kind of leading and, to. Yep, and, and, and everybody, we're using, Brad and I are saying RPGs as therapy in a very, very generic, not really way, right? Um, I mean, disclaimer, nothing we're talking about is therapy. I'm not offering it. Brad's not offering it. And when we say RPGs as therapy or as counseling, we're being really colloquial, right? RPGs sitting at the table as an opportunity to feel better. And if not heal, at least not hurt for a while. I haven't seen any research on this. I strongly suspect there isn't any, but I, I think we've both either read and or watched a lot of commentary about how important this is. And, you know, a bunch of the outlets, like, like, you know, where you normally go for your RPG news, the New York Times, the Atlantic, right? All yeah. of those, all of those slummy gamer outlets, right? Um, they have had for the past several years, occasional articles on just the popularity of, of gaming, of, of tabletop gaming. But I think in the past year or so, there has been more of this because it, here's, here's my hunch, Brad. I think that I think that gaming was already, RPGing was already well on its way toward being more welcoming and inclusive. And that meant that more people could feel more safe and maybe hurt a little less by engaging with these games and with one another. And then we had the pandemic. And, and for many people, they were already brought into the gaming fold and there was some self. And others, well, we know what happened. Others, uh, many, 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 many others, especially with D&D, have gotten into it, right? The marketing shows us that. And the fact, I just, I just listened to a podcast, the, uh, an interview yesterday uh, about where, where the, the, uh, the interviewee was asked about this. And he said, you know, his understanding is that, that most of the growth is in the younger generations, like the teens, the 20s, maybe the 30s, oh. not the older. And so I think it's kind of like, any really complex situation, there are multiple inputs. I think we already had a rising popularity of tabletop gaming. I think we all we had uh, easier access. I think we had more ready inclusivity. And really, and, and we said this before, you and I, uh, you and me, but but I want to reiterate it here. I really think wizards, without question, have stood out at the forefront of welcoming everyone to the table. I mean, yes, it's woven into Trek's DNA, but as a company who produces RPGs, uh, Wizards of the Coast has gone so far out of their way. Even things like um, they just released updates to the drow so that they're not evil anymore. Yes. I mean, this is 
this is like like I okay, I'm gonna go on the record here, and so watch, and uh, I'll be wrong. But in 2024, this really uh, this kind of sent up a little bit of a red flag for me because of our shared age. In 2024, like us, D and D will be 50 years old. I I know. Well said. Um, I really think that the 5e enhanced or expanded or 6e whatever they do, I really think they're going to double down on breaking down species stereotypes and really just exploding access, conceptual and personal access. And that's in, in a way, that's what therapy is about, right? It should be a safe, predictable, consistent place where you talk and you grow. Even if you don't gain a whole lot of insight, you are simply heard. And in being heard, there's value and there's healing. And and it's so Jason and I played for the first time so much fun. in a while. Um, and it was it was a lot of fun. I, you know, as a DM, I made some corrections based off of all the knowledge I've garnered in the 20 almost 30 episodes we've had. And, and um, my character didn't die. So really No, you- yeah. But we <laughs> we actually figured out how to handle ability modifiers this time. So um and and I actually had you actually this time around were able to run. Um, I actually had you check something beyond perception because that was really the only thing we were checking. Uh, totally some... guilty, totally yeah, guilty. Well, but you did, you did really switch it up. Yeah, my character was very validated. I think you know. I go out and again, I'm using a social media platform, and I and I'm not doing it because it's the only. I'm just using it because it really opened the door to things that, as middle aged man, middle aged men you know, you don't normally see people right. are comfortable, even in their descriptors of themselves, um, signifying and identifying who they are mm-hmm. um, based off of gender, um, based off of orientation, based off of anything. It is, this is why I've mentioned in prior episodes, um, it is such an inclusive, friendly group of people who aren't afraid. And oh, I, man. Yeah. and I told Jason, I wasn't going to type, but I did. I used my phone this time. So you didn't hear it. What did you order? Nothing. But why I thought about this is it reminded me is Kickstarter, ironically, evil hat productions, yeah. mm-hmm. the people that make fate. Yep. Awesome. Um, I know they, where you're going. You know where I'm going. Accessibility toolkit. Yep. Nope. Oh, you don't. No, no, oh, no, no, no. There Wait is a bit, a, brother. There is an RPG coming out called Thirsty Sword Lesbians. Oh, I've seen it. Yes, I've seen it. And the it source. blew. Yeah. It blew past its Kickstarter goals. And again, I'm I'm middle aged white guy. So I a lot of these things I'm I'm learning every day from, yeah. you know, but just the fact that we are seeing a game that even has that word, I hate to say it that way, but even has that word in it these days, and it blows by Kickstarter goals, um, is phenomenal. And I'm, it, it actually makes me proud to see that. And I'm, and I'm proud for the community that's allowed that to, um, for that to be, to become okay. And I think um, RPGs, allow i think shelly Mazenoble talked about this mm-hmm. in terms of her character being someone who is different than herself in real life 
and I'm going to have to go back and listen to that again. If you haven't listened to that episode, please do. But she uses this character as an extension of herself, which allows herself to play someone. I think she was talking about her character being intoxicated. Um, Go ahead. I was thinking about exactly this thing. I think it was yesterday in the car of how I want to play more. Cause right. We played and it got me all jazz. We play how I want to play more and how, whenever I play, I'm always, my characters are always either a fighter or, or a bounty hunter or a smuggler. Why? And, and like, I remember when I, when I started, you were surprised. It's like, you're not going to be a wizard. Yes. Because and it's like, I would love to be a wizard, just like I would love to be a Jedi. I've done that in the past, though, the Jedi. But this is an opportunity to express myself, to play a side of me that's not me, that, that, I, that is totally antithetical to how I behave, right? It's very, it's very freeing. It's very liberated, liberating, right? I, in D, at least in D&D, not so much the others, but in D&D, for example, I want, I, I like playing a fighter. I, 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 there are things about, you know, the, there are things that are similar to me, but, but I like playing a fighter and kicking posterior because that is so not me in real life. Well, yeah. I mean, you go, I go back to the days of, of gaming online back with uh, valve and half-life and all that. You'd always use the terminology. I see this terminology still in, in gaming. Are you the, are you the tank? Are you the healer? Are you the, um, Oh God, I just had the terms in my head too. The tank, the healer. Oh yeah, I know what you mean. You know what I mean? Um, I do. Yeah, you know, we've talked and about this. I and I never thought you'd play something besides a, a healer or a healer right. class in whatever game we were playing. Right. So this allows us, I think, mm-hmm. an extension allows us to perhaps you could and you could smack me down on this, seriously. Um does it allow us in some cases to play the way we really want to be mm-hmm. but feel, but feel shunned or would be afraid of being shunned if we acted that way? Right. You know, what, allow yeah, us yeah. to be someone who we normally wouldn't be. And again, we're all doing that, but it is a way of, it's a way of expressing ourselves in a, it's a healthy way of expressing yeah. ourselves in a way we wouldn't normally, I, but you know, before, before we, we start to kind of wrap and walk over to the jam corner. I want to, I want to just cite some research for a moment please. Yeah. on topic. This is not new research. This has been known for decades. It's very well established. 51% of people over the lifespan will exhibit, will experience at least one diagnosable psychological disorder. Let me say that again. Slightly more than half of everybody over the lifespan, right, from from womb to tomb, as it were, will at least once for a period of time experience a truly diagnosable disorder. Most will be depression and or anxiety. There are lots of other things, but most will be. In fact, probably around a third of everybody just in normal everyday life will experience a clinical depression or anxiety, right? Many, most of those, in fact, will not be diagnosed or treated, but they'll experience it. Our point, everybody, is that just like it is unremarkable to break your arm 
because pretty much everybody does it, it is unremarkable to sometimes be anxious or depressed because everybody does it. It still hurts, just like the broken arm. But there are interventions and treatments and communities to help you heal, just like the broken arm. The norm is to sometimes be broken. And the norm is to sometimes hurt. And we're just very impressed with what, with what that episode did and what they're doing right now with, with Dr. Culver and the exemplary acting of, of Mary Wiseman and, and, and Wilson Cruz. Um, and we just we really wanted to talk about it because like Brad said, when we saw literally the overwhelming response, the overwhelming sense of recognition and what we are interpreting as just being heard, right? And being felt. It's like, yeah, this is the time to talk about it because, because people hurt. The world is hurting right now, even more than normal, courtesy of this pandemic. And tabletop role-playing games can be for many a self. They can be anything from a bandage to a medicine. Anything that's adaptive that helps you feel better is worth looking at. And how cool is it that that some of our favorite games and our favorite games with friends in community can offer us that? Yeah, and I'll I'll, I'll just two tidbits and then yeah, we can- Yeah, close us out here. Yeah, um, I, this sounds contrived and I don't mean this because none of you know me, um, but for all of you that post out there and talk about what hurts and talk about who you are, and not be afraid of it, whatever mm-hmm. identity, whatever you want your identity to be, or whether, yeah. whatever you want your, what your identity is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say this, and I say this with a little bit of emotion, I'm proud of each and every one of you for doing it mm-hmm. because that's mm-hmm. a hard thing. I have not had to experience that. Um, yeah. It's a hard thing to do. And I yeah. only know that from the experiences others have had telling yeah. me. Um, one, two, it will be interesting to see over time how this episode with, with Tilly and Dr. Culber and book play out, because I think I don't, maybe I'm over dramatizing it, but I think that is a, I, I think there's an, that's an inflection point episode in many ways, because it, it, I think wasn't so. about, and I, I, there's a half joke with this. It wasn't about pew, pew, pew. It was no. about mm-hmm. your own mental health yep. and your health period. Yep. And so I, I, I would hope that it starts to, or people, it'll resonate with people mm-hmm. and it starts a conversation mm-hmm. and, and thank you to the, to the writers mm-hmm. and the actors, the actors yeah. for, for doing that. Because mm-hmm. even like every every episode is probably or not probably is is tough to film. You have to go through a lot. I can I, I have to imagine it's difficult to to act out therapeutic issues um, because yeah. there's an embarrassment about it that's permeated society that's only starting to go away. You know, if you would have asked me five years ago, I wouldn't have talked about the fact Jason knows my mm-hmm. history and all that I'm, you know, I've been in therapy. I'm not afraid to say that now, but five years ago, there's um, there was more of a stigma. I know 
arenas. I've talked with Jason about it. I'm not going to get into them. I know arenas in our country, in areas where mentioning that will stigmatize you to a point where you might even lose your career. There are yeah. still some small areas that still adhere to a very back, backwards approach, you know, so, but moving on to let's, let's um, make things a little more light by talking about um, and moving over to the DMs, the GM's corner. I don't normally introduce the GM's corner. So this is a little weird for me. So um, yeah, we have a nice little, we have a nice little schedule. Brad opens up, Jason mentions the, the corner and then, um, and then Jason wraps it up. So since I've introduced it, um, and you're typing this time and not me, by the Sorry, way. Sorry, my computer is all of a sudden <laughs> acting up and I'm trying to shut it down. I, I, I don't know what's happening. I'm going to just get out of this and tell it to stop. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I just, I thought it was funny because Jason, Jason I, was like, I've been giving no, you a hard no time. typing. And then I, uh, yes, Microsoft, well, uh, clearly, you know, uh, frustration courtesy of Microsoft. It's telling me to do something and it's dinging. I'm sure you could all hear it. I don't know. I couldn't hear that. I couldn't hear the dinging. Oh, so well, then I should have just let it. Be. <laughs> <laughs> I was sure you could all hear the ding. No, no. So, okay. So along the lines of hearing things that nobody else does, what have you been reading or looking at this week that has caught your attention or is worth mention? Um, uh, and I think there might be a little of overlap here potentially. Yeah. A bunch of things very briefly. Um, I, I've been reading, uh, I just started reading the fourth book in Becky Chambers's Wayfarer series. I've mentioned this before. I mentioned her before. Um, and uh, I mean, it's just, she's such a good writer. Uh, I'm so enjoying it. Um, I have the, as you all know, the Genesis expanded players guide uh, scheduled to arrive Friday. I'm really curious about that. Um, uh, and I'm trying to think, uh, I did recently, just a few days ago, I didn't send you a picture of it, but I, I reorganized my RPG shelves, um, basically to better accommodate upcoming books. Yeah. <laughs> How about yeah. you? Well, I've run out of room, so, mm. but that's not going to stop me. No. Um, you know, um, Jason and I, neither of us have ever really thought about or had much of an interest um, in playing anything in modern day. Um, yep. It's either the far past, the far future, or the far fetched. Um, <laughs> so, um, but um, Green Ronin's modern age, based off of their age system, um, advanced gaming engine, um, fantasy age, dragon age, um, I did because um, we both ironically on the same day um got a amazon gift card um, right. and so um we used that to purchase so i picked up a couple things from green ronin related to modern age and there's a hook to that that we'll talk about later in another episode but yeah, um subtle. Be subtle. yeah between subtle. that um looking at the Genesis stuff, I really got into this and digging into the foundry, um, which is for those of you who don't know, um, that's the creative area where individuals like us or third party groups share and provide information about projects they've completed projects they've worked on. 
um, using the Genesis narrative system. Yeah. Yeah. I've been out there reading. And then the last one was, I mentioned this in a prior episode. I think if I didn't um, never been interested in the horror genre, the Lovecraft era and all that. Yeah. And um, I wasn't necessarily fully aware. I will claim ignorance, true ignorance on this, that um, there might be a little bit of misogyny and racism in Lovecraft's past, but um i did i did play some solo call of cthulhu and and it's a fun little solo thing for me to do um when i need a break i've taken you know like i don't normally take a lunch break i work straight through well one Mm -hmm. day i just Mm -hmm. sat over and took a half hour and played good for Um, you i don't think it's necessarily anything you and i will play um yeah but but genesis you know, we talked about, I talked about the, the uh, expanded player's guide and some of the stuff that it'll help us do with our Trek port. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, I've, I've really spent most of my time in, in um, Genesis and then obviously D and D to prepare for the next couple yep. um, gaming sessions or episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's been a, it's been a busy and, and good week when it comes to gaming and then both of you you know we're we're learners Mm -hmm. we're you know jason's an educator um i am in a world that supplies software to education Mm -hmm. um most of my closest friends are involved in education um so it fascinates me as a as a so a lot of times jason i'll even talk about it um and so i've been doing some self-education and Interestingly enough, I can't, we sound, I make myself sound extraordinarily geriatric by saying this, I'm sorry, but I learn a lot by just reading Twitter in this, in this genre, in this area of yeah. the Twitterverse, there's, there's areas of the Twitterverse where you're not going to, you're not going to not only learn any, nothing, mm-hmm. learn nothing, um, but it actually, you could be dumber for having read it. I hate to say that. Yeah. There's a, shall we say range? Yeah, the yeah. the area that we are in, though, that what we just talked about, there is so much to learn from all of you. So I do spend time reading in there, yeah, and learning. So. Yeah, yeah, ditto. All right, well, thank you as always so much for being with us uh, and joining us on this topic. We'd love to hear what you think. Uh, we will definitely see you, talk with you next week. In the interim, be well, stay well. And follow us at Dyson Mind. Check us out and you can talk with us, DM us at Dyson Mind on Twitter. Well done. We would love it. Be well, everyone, and take care. Bye-bye. 